Well, good morning to all of you. Little fill in the blank to start us off this morning. If you heard me say the statement, I just cannot wait until blank. What naturally, when you hear that, what comes into your mind when I ask you that or say that statement? I just cannot wait until blank. Now, for some of us, that might be seeing in a little bit of time uh, Gardner Minshew's boys take on the Saints. Uh, for others of us, I cannot wait. What probably means there is some, those of you that got uh, right on cue uh, outside and de- de- you're looking forward to that, picking that up this afternoon. For our teenagers, maybe junior, senior year of high school, I just cannot wait until high school is done and I know which college I'm going to and to start that part of my life. Fast forward a little bit, college students probably saying, I'm so ready to graduate, be done with this and see what career and what real life is really like. And then for others of us, that statement can take on more of a serious nature. There is great excitement for some of us in that statement. And for others, I can just, I can't wait until the doctor figures out what this is ailing me. I am sick of it. Or for others, I just cannot wait until this season of grief in my life passes. We all know, I could use a lot more examples and illustrations, but we all know that is a desire of our heart and a question we have throughout life. No matter what life throws at us, I just cannot wait for something. Well, in our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah this morning, we find a group of people and the priest and prophet Jeremiah addressing that type of thing, that question, I just cannot wait. But this is one of the hard moments of life that we look at in context this morning. In Jeremiah 29, the lectionary breaks it up to actually be kind to us. We have, uh, in chapter 29, it's part of a letter. Verse 1 to give us some context, and verses 4 through 7 as part of the body. Uh, Jeremiah was a priest and prophet in the, around the 6th century B.C., and he is writing from war-torn Jerusalem. The king Nebuchadnezzar has come to destroy Jerusalem. He has ransacked it. People have died. The city is on fire and the temple has been destroyed. And as part of Nebuchadnezzar's plundering Jerusalem, he gets a group of the people from Jerusalem and he takes them all the way to Babylon. So they will be exiles from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this is who we find the audience that Jeremiah is writing to. He is writing from everything that has just happened in Jerusalem to this group of people that had nearly lost everything as they were taken by no fault of their own, just taken by Nebuchadnezzar to be exiles in Babylon. Just consider their plight. Now, maybe they have some of the people that were around them and close with them. Maybe they have died. What they have is their faith in God and their own lives. They had lost everything else, had been taken and stripped from them. Their home, safety, 
their, their identity that had all been ripped from them as they were taken from their home and made to be exiles in Babylon. This is the situation that Jeremiah, that we hear in the Old Testament this morning, he is writing to them. And it's ironic as you first hear it. In verse 1, we have that story, which I have just painted. And then in verses 4 through 7, we hear as he's writing to this audience that has experienced great loss and great anguish in life. He writes, settle down in that country in Babylon where you now find yourselves. Get, make a home for yourself. Make a garden and enjoy the, the fruits of the earth that come from that garden and have children. Do not decrease, multiply, and give those children that you will have in marriage. What he, he is painting the picture, you're going to be here for a long many years. As you read further into Jeremiah 29, you see that it would be 70 years that this group of people would remain there with the promise that after 70 years, those exiles would be turned to Jerusalem. The desire of their heart in that moment was, we just want home. We want to go back home to what was, what was safe, where I belonged, where I had a name, and that's been ripped from them. And you hear Jeremiah in this letter to them, encouraging them, you're going to be there, but let me change your perspective. And this is where we, we might wonder, we, if, as we put ourselves in their story, where is the good news? As they would come to find out, you're not going to be here a year or two and returned back to your home quickly. It's going to take 70 years. And some of you may not make it. You may die and pass on and all of that before you are returned to what your heart seeks. But this is where the words of Jeremiah become so powerful, even to us today in the year of our Lord, 2019. We are talking the span of 6th century B.C. all the way to 2019 today. And yet these words are still so powerful. He, he tells them the set up a home and create for yourselves a garden to eat from and then have children that will marry as, as you plant yourself where you are. And verse 7 is key. He says, in the city that you find yourself being an exile, offer to them welfare. Find welfare in that hard circumstance of being an exile and a captive in Babylon. Find the blessing of God. Find welfare there. Offer it to the city. And there you will also find your welfare. Now, this word welfare, it translates from the Hebrew word of shalom. Jeremiah is saying, while you're in captivity, find the blessing of God. Find shalom, the peace of God. And this is not the peace that just means the absence of conflict. This is the fully realized love, mercy, grace, and peace of God, where there is full harmony, full joy, and full life. You see what Jeremiah is challenging and encouraging this group of captives, you are going through probably the hardest 
thing you have ever gone through. And yet don't look to the 70 years for when you get to go home. You can find the peace of God, the blessing of God right there where you are. And then he says, you can have that transformation within in the hardest of life circumstances where you can find this peace. And then he asks them to be conduits of that peace of the kingdom of God, to offer it to the city that hates them and probably that they hate in return, being captives there. He's saying, take that peace, that blessing that you find, and offer it to the city around you where you are in captivity. And this is some of the good news that begins to come as you see the, the heart change that Jeremiah is pointing to for these people. In verses which you don't have in front of you today, 10 through 14, he says, it's not about the final destination of being able to go home again, back to Jerusalem. But you can find the blessing of God, the peace of God, right there where you are. When you seek me, I will be found. When you pray to me, I will be heard and I will hear you and I will come to you every day where you are. Seek and pray and find me. That is the great good news that they are encouraged with from Jeremiah. As we consider all these years later as this very episode was pointing to the cross of Christ and how on that cross, Christ would die for our sins and rise again. All of the promises that were promised, this group that was in captivity, their forefathers, the promises made to them, the promise to return after 70 years, and then for us, the promises that are granted to us by the life and death of Jesus. And what are those promises that we consider? That our sins are forgiven by his cross. That we are made children of God and becoming part of the kingdom of God. That we have the Holy Spirit sent to us to comfort us through our hard life situations. And then God will return to take us to where he is. As I mentioned hard situations, when you put yourself in the place of of those captives that this letter is written to from Jeremiah, it's pretty hard for us to understand as 21st century Americans just what exile and all of that actually means. But we do have connection that we know in our lives. We all have that moment, like I mentioned when I opened up, I just cannot wait until... We all find ourselves looking for a greater hope and maybe even a time in our lives where we lose hope and don't think there is any hope. Well, may the words of Jeremiah, and as we fast forward, as that is looking to the event of the cross and the grace and the love and the mercy that comes to us and meets us in those hard moments, just like their hearts were changed, may our hearts be transformed. That in the hardest of life moments, whatever that be for you, that you find that your heart can be transformed and you can experience that full, complete peace of God through his grace and through our faith that we could experience that 
And just as he told them in that situation, be the conduit, be the steward of that peace and of that love and grace to the city and to the situation around you. That is the very essence of the meaning of stewardship. And it is all too easy as we are in that season of stewardship to think, well, how much money am I able to give out to the church this year? When we consider the Old Testament and what it's saying, it means every bit of what we are and everything that is given to us, we are to be transformed by that inner peace And then we become conduits. God uses us, our resources and our very beings to show that the Holy Spirit radiates out of us to be stewards of this message of love, grace, mercy, and peace. And I would ask as you pray, for those of you that already have, thank you for what you are able to tithe. And as you pray, where may I serve? Be reminded of what Jeremiah brings us back home to today, that in the hardest of life's situations and context, we can find that peace of the kingdom of God. And then in turn, that comes out of us as we steward that message of love, grace, and peace. All thanks be to the God, our Lord and Savior, who gives us this peace and makes us instruments of his peace. Amen.